Hallelujah, what a beautiful room of ladies I am looking at today. Goodness gracious, you're all just shining like bright lights. You're just gorgeous. This is my favorite time of the year. This is my favorite event that we have here at the church every year. Because we get to gather together as women that get to magnify our God, just what we just did. Where you just close your eyes and you just focus on him and there's nothing else. I looked over and saw Kelly, my dear precious daughter Kelly Coblin here, standing. I think she led the charge. Standing and just praising God and worshiping him, that's what it's all about. That's what this season is all about is honoring him with everything that we have on the inside of us. Rachel, I love you. Thank you for being here. God is so good. In Malachi, the second chapter, verses 15 through 16, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are his. And why one? Because he is seeking a godly offspring. And today I look at this in this room at all of you and your heart is to produce godly offspring, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that will love and worship God, that we carry on the legacy. We carry on our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. The American family is being totally redefined today. It can mean almost anything. And anyone who thinks that it should mean one man and one woman and the children that God produces from that union, as seen as someone who is out of step with society and out of step with culture. Family may mean one man and one woman, or it may mean two men and three women. It may mean two women and their adopted or in vitro children. It may mean a man and another person who used to be a man. It may be a person or their pet, according to Professor Peter Stinger. Almost any way you can think of, and some ways you can't think of, the world says is family today. But the Bible is clear what God's definition of a family is. Man and woman marry and become one flesh. Then they have children and become father and mother. That's the Bible definition of a family. It's that simple. And the evil world has tried to confuse it and made it complicated where we don't even know how to pronounce it or how to, how to say it. This is God's purpose for your family. He has brought you together in flesh and in spirit that you might have godly offspring. Children who love God and serve him. Children whose lives are lived to glorify him. The purpose of our individual lives as well as our families is to glorify God. That's why we're here. That's why we were born. That's why we were put on the planet is so that we might glorify God. This is not something that just happens. It does not even happen just because you come to church on Sunday and because you send your children to children's church or to youth camp or to youth group. It happens because in your home, you show the love of God. It's lived out on a daily basis. It's lived before them. You talk about him. You tell your children how he has been faithful to you and helped you through your life. You see him everywhere and talk 
about the beauty of the world that he has created. You model before them the life that he has called you to live. You have enthusiasm in your home for the things of God. What you do and how you live out your life in front of them does make a difference. Do they see you gossiping and talking about other people in the home? And then you put on a pretty face when you go in front of people. When you get off the phone from talking with someone, did they hear you badger or talk bad about the person you just got off the phone with? But you were talking nice to them on the phone. What are they seeing lived out before them on a daily basis? Genesis 12, 1 through 3. We hear God's plan for Abram. God blesses Abram in order that he would be a blessing to all people. Blessed to be a blessing. He actually said that all the families of the earth would be blessed by his family. How could that be? But this family would be the line from which Jesus the Messiah would come. So it truly came to pass all the families of the earth would be blessed because of faithful Abraham. Jesus came from that lineage. Just think about that. We're blessed to have eternal life because of that. Why does God want us to have godly offspring? Children who are faithful to the will of God in their lives. Because we are to be like the chosen people of Israel. God's plan for Israel was that they would win the world to him. They were to learn the law of God so that they could teach the will of God to other nations. That's why we are chosen. Why we are sitting here today. We're to teach the will of God to others. The Christian family is God's best evangelistic tool for reaching a lost world. Our families have been entrusted with the good news of God's love. And God has imparted to us the responsibility of sharing that news with a needy world that doesn't even know him. I mean, growing up, I thought there was a needy world, my goodness, but not like what we're seeing today. This world is lost. If you watch any news broadcast during the week, you see the lost humanity that's out there groping for truth. They have no truth. So we are the truth givers. We're to carry the light and the truth to them. The presence of God is not coming to our homes just so that our families can be blessed, but so that the world may be blessed. We need to make a difference in the world and our lives need to model his love and forgiveness. We need to model the life of Jesus in loving and serving the world. And this is how we glorify God. As I watch my great-granddaughter, I have a great-granddaughter. Her name is Liberty, Jerry Ann's first grandchild. So when I see my great-granddaughter cradled in loving arms, all I can think of is how innocent she is and how full of love those around her have for her. You have to wonder when you look at babies what adventures are ahead and what joys and what trials. Since our Father in Heaven knows the answer to those questions and has given us the scriptures to know our best path, I intend to share these wonderful stories with my grandchildren and all of my great-grandchildren that are to come. And by the way, this is to be my future granddaughter right here. This is Abby, everybody. She's going to marry Dylan. 
May the 6th. So I'm going to have five great-grandchildren from Abby. She's already told me this. So, and I think they already have names picked out. So I'm looking forward to, to this day ahead. Glory to God. But I intend to share wonderful stories with my great-grandchildren. When Little Liberty might feel confused about what path to take, I will tell her about Joshua, who announced his conviction with, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Unwavering Joshua, he was such an example of putting God first in his life. If Liberty has to stand up for her faith and feels all alone, I will teach her about beautiful Esther and how she was sent for such a time as this. But not to worry if we are afraid because God will give us all the courage that we need to see us through whatever is facing us. If Liberty ever feels inadequate, I will teach her about Moses who grew up in Pharaoh's palace but ended up leading millions out of bondage by the Lord's guidance. If Liberty ever needs protection, I will remind her of Daniel who went fearlessly into the lion's den and how his three friends who went into the fiery furnace were delivered by the mighty hand of God and came out of there, glory to God, watching Jesus having delivered them from a fiery furnace. And then every chance I get, I will teach her about the Savior, how he taught us all to pray, and he taught us how to forgive, and he taught us how to read scriptures and be grateful and to love one another. We are to love one another. Joshua didn't say, choose you next year whom you will serve. He spoke of today. Choose you this day who you will serve. While it's still daylight and before the darkness becomes normal in our world. Choose you this day whom you will serve. This is what I want to leave with my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren as simply and consistently as I can. Follow the Lord every day. And it is a great reminder to me as well to follow our Lord each and every day. That's why we're here. That's why we were birthed. That's why we exist, is to be here to glorify Him. Now, before I close, I want to share just a few more things with you. Making memories. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 through 8, and I won't read it all, but I do want to give, there are 14 things. There is a time for everything and a season for everything under heaven. There are 14 in that list, and I want to just uh, quote three or four of them. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. And the list goes on and on and on. But we pursue wrong things. In Solomon's view of time is that most of us waste it. And we pursue wrong things. Um, And we forget to enjoy what is really important. As Solomon neared the end of his life, he bemoaned his life. I am 73 years old, and I don't want to bemoan my life. I want to take joy in my life and in my memories. He bemoaned his life while giving admiration to those who got it right. And I want to get my life right. How about you? Don't you want to get your life right and not waste 
precious days and months and precious years. His observation was this of a man having lived well uh, are those who find satisfaction in simple pleasures. This is a life that's lived well. Find satisfaction in simple pleasures. And your work, the work of your hand, find satisfaction in what you do. When you aren't alone in the world, he says, but you have others who can give, who give you help and that you give help to. These are the simple things in life that you have friends that you can turn to in time of need. And you can have warmth from these friends. And, uh, Defense against outside forces. Don't you like that? That you have friends that give you warmth and friends that come and stand beside you that give you defense for the outside world. These are the things that are worthwhile in life. When you can sleep sweetly without worries and anxieties, sleep sweetly. When you can enjoy your children and the blessing of their lives. Glory to God. So Solomon is right, you know. The people concentrate on the simple, important things of life are much happier. Much happier. Now think for a moment. What memories are you creating for your family to cherish for a lifetime? Not many that... Think on the wrong things. Don't have happiness of life. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not prestige. It's not large houses. It's not new cars. It's not sending your children to Ivy League schools. Nor any of a whole list of things that some people sacrifice their families for. Men that work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and end up at the end of their life realizing, I missed out on the best things in life, which was my family. You create your children's happiest childhood memories by what you do around the table, by what you do in your home. Those memories are what lasts a lifetime. They won't remember what you gave them for Christmas last year, but they will remember when you were snowed in, sitting around the fireplace, playing board games. They'll remember that forever and ever and ever. The memories that you create, building happy memories. And this was from a survey. Being with loved ones is the key, and this is an important key. Things for all of us to know forever is building happy memories. Some of my happy memories of growing up were having the whole family together at Christmas time was special. My mother, there were eight siblings in her family. There were actually ten and two passed away. But eight siblings. We would go to my grandmother's house in Arkansas. So there were 24 cousins. I had eight aunts and uncles and then their spouses. So this house was jam-packed with people. Jam-packed with people. And all of us, my grandpa and grandma and all the aunts and uncles and all the cousins, that they made us kids eat in the kitchen together and on the back porch. I thought it was so neat then, but it must have been pandemonium for, every, for all the adults. Total pandemonium. Um, we would play so hard until we would collapse with exhaustion at night when we came in. 
and we would fall out on our pallets. I mean, the entire living room floor was nothing but quilts and pallets that we all would just curl up on. And, you know, you wanted to sleep by your favorite cousin, you know, and, and there was always a jockeying for that position to sleep next to your favorite cousin. They may not be potty trained yet, you know, but anyway. Sleeping on the living room floor on pallets, and oh my goodness, Christmas, with all of us sitting on the floor in front of the Christmas tree, and the gifts were being passed out, and we were singing Christmas carols, singing songs, and we would play hot potato. We actually had a potato that was baked in the oven, and it was hot, and we would play hot potato, and you would throw it around, you know, so we played hot potato, and I can still see my grandpa opening his gift getting his annual new work overalls. Remember the kind that had the suspenders and hooked in here? That was what my grandpa got every year. And the family chipped in. Everybody gave money to buy him his new overalls every Christmas. So we would all wait. Grandpa, what are you going to open? What are you going to get? Well, he knew what he was going to get. He got the same thing every year. And it was his overalls. And my grandmother got her house dresses. They were called moo-moos. So, you know, that's what she wore all day, every day, were her moo-moos, you know. So fun, fun, fun memories of that. In surveys where children were asked, what do you think makes a happy family? They often, in most common response, was not money, not cars, not all phones, The answer they gave most frequently was doing things together as a family. Last night, Jerry Ann came over to spend the night, but my girls were going to spend the night with me. And, oh, my goodness, we had so much fun last night. Went to bed at 7.30, I think, but um, we had fun. (laughs) But... Jerry Ann asked for a pen, and so I pulled a pen out of the drawer, and she sat there, and she says, Mother, this was the most greatest Christmas gift I could have gotten when I was a kid. She said, we played and played with this. I said, let me have that. I want to take it tomorrow. It was a pen that had all the different colors on it. She said, Mother, this was the thing I wanted for Christmas one year. It was so simple, just a pen that had all the multicolors on it. Is that funny? But now they want an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Is that hilarious? This pen is, was, you know, she said, Mother, this pen brought me great joy. So here you go, my dear. There's your Christmas gift from your mother. So I love you the most because you got the pen and Terry didn't get one. That was funny. So the answer that they gave from this survey was doing things together, doing things together. And when I think of the first Christmas, and you know, it wasn't the beautiful nativity scene we sometimes see depicted, like when you walk out in the foyer, there's one out there. I'm filled with all kinds of emotions. I think of our Savior being born in the lowest place there was, surrounded by the most humble of people. The Savior of the world was born in a darkly lit manger, not a Ritz-Carlton. He was born in a darkly lit stable to bring light to the whole world. For everyone, that takes my breath away when I think about that. And 2021 have given us reasons to have fear, hasn't it? 
from the virus to riots to the elections to financial difficulties and even our future. But from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The translations say they were very afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto us born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this should be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And one sentence stuck out to me. They were sore afraid. Then I could see in my mind's eye the angels explaining to the shepherds, the Savior of the world has been born. And they began to understand. Their fear was replaced with joy, incredible joy. And today, if you're facing fear in any way, shape, or form in your life because of what's going on in the world, I have good news for you today. Jesus was born, and he can take that fear away. Whatever it is that you're confronting, that fear can be a thing of the past because he came to bring peace to you. He is the Prince of Peace. Every day I wake up and see the newscast. Fear tries to come on me every day. Do you know that our military is training in the Hawaiian Islands right now to fight against China and Russia? That's end-time prophecy. When I see the lady that Biden wanted to appoint for his administration to be over our finances of our nation, she wants to create a one bank for America and confiscate all of our funds. Do you not think there's fear when I get up and I see things that have been prophesied in the book of Revelation? We're here, folks. We're here. We're at the end time. Yesterday or the day before... Uh, popped up on my phone in Norway and Sweden. They've just now put a chip right here where they can tell your passport vaccination is now right here. If you don't think we may be, these may be the forerunners to the mark of the beast. I don't think it is the mark of the beast, but I think it's forerunners to the mark of the beast where you won't be able to buy or sell or even transfer money. Your, your money will be worthless. I mean, you it's going to be just put in an account because you earn it. And you can only use it when you use the chip that's here or here. We're in the end times. And I'm telling you, fear is running rampant. But the good news is, the good news is, the Prince of Peace was born in Bethlehem that bright morning. Glory to God, lowly in a manger. In a stable that was darkly lit, but he lit up that that stable. Can you see the light of the world that's come to redeem us, to set us free? Glory to God. They were all so excited, the shepherds, that they left the fields and began knocking on every door in Bethlehem to tell everyone, our Savior, the long-awaited Messiah of the world has been born. As he saved our world, he also came to take away our fear. And he will if we will only let him. 
fear is real. And I'm not minimizing the millions of serious things that are happening in our world. But I believe we can replace those fears knowing the peace and the comfort of our Savior that he has come and will take away our fear. When we start to focus on the Savior, our hearts turn from the negative and to the positive and the light-giving blessings that are all around us. We're filled with gratitude and love. And then peace follows. No matter what we're going through, that is the only thing I want for all of us to have this Christmas of 2021 is our Savior's peace. John 14:27 says, Peace I leave with you. I have peace, I give it to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not, not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. May this Christmas be the one we never forget as we remember the Savior and all that he has done for us. And I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you and that I love you. And before I sit down and introduce my daughter... You have to do one thing for me while you're sitting there. I say this every time I get up. I have to give you all a hug. You know, four hugs is for survival. Eight hugs is for maintenance. Twelve hugs is for growth. So you have to have at least 12 hugs today before you leave. So here, here's my hug to you all this morning. And I want to tell you how much I love you and have a Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Cassie is now going to sing one song. And then uh, after she does, Jerry Ann will come straight up to the platform. And um, this is exciting, isn't it? God is so good. And let me tell you this, the order of the service. After Cassie sings one song, then Jerry Ann will come, and then there will be one song between Jerry Ann and Terry, and then Terry will come up. But this is one of the greatest days of my life as a mother, to get to have both of my daughters come up and share the Word of God. It's an honor for me as a mother to have both of my daughters serving God and both of my daughters in full-time ministry. No mother could be more pleased and more joy-filled. So please enjoy the rest of our morning, and I love you all.